So turn with me to John chapter 18, and I'm going to begin reading here in verse 28. And Jesus has just been betrayed by Judas. He is on trial. He is headed for his death, and he is being interrogated, accused, interviewed by Pontius Pilate, who is a Roman ruler, and he is standing before him. And I want to look at the dialogue between the two of them, and then we're going to launch further into the scripture. So begin with me in John 18, verse 28. John writes, they led Jesus therefore from Caiaphas into the praetorium and it was early and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium in order that they might not be defiled but might eat the Passover. Pilate therefore went out to them and said what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him if this man were not an evildoer we would not have delivered him up to you. So stop right there. How many of you know that the rulers thought that Jesus was evil? They're calling someone who is the Son of God, who we know lived a perfect and sinless life, they are calling him an evildoer. Now this is important because if you are going to stand against the spirit of the age, name calling is just the beginning. Jesus actually said, they hated me first. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. He made statements like, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But because you're not of the world, the world rejects you. So to walk and to follow Jesus, if they called our Lord and Savior, now mind you, this isn't just some group of barbarians and heathens. These are the Jews. These are the religious leaders of the day. These are the professionals who are saying Jesus is an evildoer. Are you ready to be called names? I warned you about the tension. See, I fear that part of what sits on us as Christians is that we want to be viewed as nice and good and quiet and calm and respectful people. I hope to stir you up to a bit of rebellion against the spirit of the age. Because if you don't get a backbone down inside of you, quite frankly, you're a part of the problem and lukewarmness is already knocking on the doors of your heart. So he's an evildoer, this our Jesus. We delivered him up to you. Verse 31, Pilate therefore said to them, Take him yourselves, judge him according to your law. But the Jews said to him, We are not permitted to put anyone to death, that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying what kind of death he was about to die. Pilate therefore entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? So Pilate has heard what the Jews are saying about Jesus and now he's trying to send them back to the Jewish law. They're saying, No, we can't put him to death ourselves. We're looking for a loophole because we really want this guy dead. And so now Pilate's like, something's going on. I need to have a one-on-one conversation with this man. So he's going to ask Jesus himself in private directly, are you the king of the Jews? Meaning, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that they're saying that you are? Or is something else going on here? So he asks him this direct question. Listen to the words of Jesus in response to Pilate. Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Hold on. Pilate's asking him a question. It's a simple question. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answers a question with a question. Why? Because Jesus wants to know... Are you asking this for yourself or are you asking this because of what other people around you have said about me? And I believe that he's testing and he's seeing, is this of your own initiative? Is there any faith behind that? Might you be open to the fact that I really am the king of the Jews? Or are you just repeating a question that somebody else has about me? In similar fashion, Jesus did the same thing when he asked the disciples, who do they say that I am? 
If you look at Matthew 16, you don't have to turn there. He wants to know, who do people say that I am? And the disciples, they respond and they're like, well, some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus hones in and he says, but who do you say that I am and what he's doing there is in similar fashion he wants to know is what people around you is what they're saying about me influencing you at all or do you know me for yourself because the spirit of the age and the world and much of the lukewarm church has an opinion and they're saying things about Jesus even though they don't hold any water or any weight in the word of God. Quite literally they want to introduce you to another Jesus. And I fear that many according to Galatians 1 and 2 Corinthians 11 are following another Jesus. They're not following Jesus who is the Son of God revealed to us through the Scriptures. They're following a mixture. They're following a blend. They're following quite literally a God that is made in their own image. So when we come to statements and stories and concepts in the scriptures that begin to challenge our thinking, we repent for wrong thinking and we get renewed in the spirit of our mind and we believe what the word of God says about God. Most people haven't ever heard that. They don't experience that kind of training that I'm actually to come to the Word of God and learn with an open and an honest heart. And if the Word of God commands something, I do it. If the Word of God forbids something, I run away from it. Why? Because Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But we've made this complicated. Do you know what spirit makes everything really complex? The religious spirit. You got to do it right, say it right, on the right day, at the right time, wearing the right thing. And here's Jesus looking at the heart. Are you asking this on your own initiative? Do you know Jesus for yourself? Do you have an intimate connection with God through the Son where you are experiencing His life and His presence and His truth and His grace where if somebody came along and tried to talk you out of it, you would reject them and throw them aside because no, I know Jesus for myself. This is the goal of maturity. This is where you have a rock-solid connection with Him. So when everything goes haywire and crazy around you, you are rooted and grounded and your feet are set on the solid rock. You cannot be moved away from the gospel and the good news. So here's Jesus. Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? It's not good enough for others to tell you about him. You need to know him for yourself. Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Now he's going to ask questions back. They're going to get smart with each other. I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and chief priests delivered you up to me. What have you done? He's implying, surely you're guilty, buddy. You're standing here on trial and all these people want to kill you. Just go ahead and give it up. What is it that you've done to find yourself here? I want to remind you that Jesus is our example. He's our Lord and Savior. He is the picture of perfection. And He's on trial being called an evildoer. And He's about to be murdered for things that He never said and never did. Now I want you to picture your destiny wrapped up in Him. Or are you following another Jesus that leads you away from every conflict? See, I listen to people and I think their version of the gospel is how to avoid confrontation and how to just quiet down and how to back away from every moral issue of the day. When the church is supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we are quite literally supposed to be the ones who are saying, stop right there and you can go no further because I'm not under the spirit of the age, I'm filled with the spirit of God. 
I am quite literally of a different spirit. I'm of a different planet. I'm not of this world. I'm just passing through. I've been born again. I have a new father and a new heart and a new mind. And I got a new set of plans for my life. And they are on a collision course with the spirit of this age. Let's keep reading. What have you done? Verse 36, Jesus answers, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Here's what you need to understand. Jesus heals the ear that Peter cuts off because he's saying, you're fighting a physical fight and I'm after spiritual violence. Peter got all stirred up and fired up. Hey, don't touch the Son of God. And he cuts off the ear of of Malchus. And Jesus is saying, hey, hold on. No, 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 no. Now listen, we've we've got work to do. Because you know what? I've got a greater benefit that if you stop me from going to the cross, if you prevent me from giving my life for the world, then the world will be shut up in darkness. So Peter oftentimes misunderstood that the kingdom, he thought it was of this realm. And sometimes you see them, they get excited like, is it at this time that you're bringing the kingdom? Like, is now the time that you're going to rule and we're going to crush our enemies? Oh, I can't wait to finally dominate some Romans. I'm tired of the way that they're ruling over us. And Jesus is saying, no, now's not the time. That time is coming, but don't misunderstand. It's not right now. So Jesus makes the declaration explicitly, my kingdom is not of this world. So you need to understand that when you come, and by the way, the kingdom only has one king, and the body only has one head, and his name is Christ Jesus. That when you come and you serve him and you are a part of the new kingdom, your kingdom and your king are not of this realm. They are not natural not physical in essence. It manifests physically. It manifests in how we live our lives. But the kingdom of God is His reign in demonstration. Let me clarify something for us because these are concepts we talk a lot about at our Father's house. The kingdom of God is God's reign and demonstration. It's what happens when the king is rightly honored, when the father is in the room. It's what happens when his nature begins to fill his people and Jesus is rightly seen and honored. That's the kingdom of God and demonstration. Are you still here? The church is the vehicle through which God manifests his kingdom. So God wants to demonstrate His kingdom, His laws, His principles, His natures through His people, us, the church. Does that make sense? All right, let's keep going. My kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's not of this realm. Verse 37, Pilate now has another question. So, you're a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate asks a phenomenal question, to which we don't get a biblical, scriptural, immediate answer. He says, what is truth? And then the story goes on. I want to park you right there for a minute. Jesus says, I've come into the world to testify of the truth. Pilate's like, what is truth? You tell me what is truth. You need to have an answer for what is truth, and you need to have one right now. Because the spirit of the age and the world that we live in is redefining truth every generation. What is true today was false years ago. What was false years ago may be true today. How many of you know that's not truth at all? Here's what you need to understand. Truth is unchanging. Two plus two will always be four. 
That's mathematical truth. Please say amen for your own soul. But the world that we live in says two plus two is three and a half. Two plus two might be 4.158. Two plus two might be an orangutan on a wagon on the Oregon Trail. Well, I don't feel like two plus two is four. Today, I feel like two plus two is Thursday. I understand the humor, but this is the world we live in. And here's the spirit of the age. See, here's the deal. Even if you agree, what you just agreed with is essentially this, is that the truth is not my feelings. Okay, but this, this generation says my feelings are truth. So if I feel like something that defies logic, that defies biology, that defies just basic common sense, my feelings are truth because my feelings are God because I am God. When you come to Jesus and you come into His kingdom, He becomes truth. And his definition for truth, Jesus defined truth by his own person. Did he not say, I am the truth? And surrounding that, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If you want an all-out fight, if you just want to begin the wrestle with the spirit of the age, try this one for size. There's one way to heaven and two genders. Just start right there. It's just an appetizer. Hey, what I believe is there's one way to heaven and there's two genders. And you will watch people and their demons start twitching and start gnashing and start calling you an evildoer. You, you are hateful. You are bigoted. Oh, how could you be so mean? No, Jesus taught me that truth and love go together. So my definition of truth and love per the word of God tells me that loving someone means I tell them the truth always. But when you're under the spirit of the age and people are in sin, you think it's your job to ignore their sin. Oh, it's quiet in here. Honestly, some of, some of us, that may be your experience in your last church. When, when there's sin, oh, we just look the other way. Oh, we, 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 we just pray. Or better yet, we just talk about them behind their back. We just whisper and we just gossip and we just feast on the flesh and the failures of other people that we're supposed to be loving and building each other up and holding each other accountable. Churches that are influenced by the spirit of the age will not confront sin. Churches that are influenced by the spirit of the age will not practice church discipline. They will not go to someone who is continually, habitually living in sin and living a life that is contrary to the word of God and approach them and say, how can we help you get free? Because really what you're doing if we allow you to go on this way is we are allowing you to tell lies about Jesus. And we're coming to you in love and patience and grace, not with a heavy hand. We're not looking to punch your lights out. We're looking to help you and serve you and say, what do we need to do to help you walk in the freedom that Jesus paid for? Because you're not experiencing all the benefits that the king paid for. And we just want you to know all the benefits. We just want you to understand that you have this great inheritance, that this is what your life is really supposed to be full of but we're seeing things that are contrary to that I'm telling you most churches will not practice any form of discipleship or real discipline and if that doesn't work we're going to bring a group to you and we're going to plead with you and we're going to say hey this is what the word of God says and if that doesn't work we're going to tell it to the church and the church is going to lovingly rebuke you and hold you accountable and pray for you and believe for God's transformation in your life why? Because we're not under the spirit of the age. Because we have a new king and a new kingdom and we're following and doing what he says. I just want to encourage you that when it comes to the church, you're not free to make stuff up. 
You're not free to create your own kingdom and your own church and your own culture. Either follow the word of God or close your mouth. I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. You need to understand that if you are alive and breathing air in 2023 in the United States of America or wherever you live in the world, you are experiencing a massive clash of cultures. You are witnessing the war between the spirit of the age and the spirit of God. And Jesus, our King, our leader, our friend, our good shepherd, and our Father expect us to stand and testify of the truth. There is no biblical precedent for cowering to lies or for going along and pretending that lies are truth. If Nick came to me and said, brother, I am a tree. I'd say, well, well, you're like the man in Psalm 1 tree, right? He says, no, I, I actually, uh, you know, the wind spoke to me and said, I'm an oak tree. And my acorns are awesome. <laughs> I'm not even trying to be funny, but this is what, this is what we're up against. I would say, brother, you, you're not a tree, you're a man. I'm, I'm, love, I'm not hating you. I'm, my heart is not full of any kind of venom towards you. My heart is actually broken and full of compassion. I mean, y'all, we need to have a quick conversation here. The transgender movement is full of darkness and deception. And before you go hating them, pray for them. Witness to them. They need the love of Jesus. They need the family of God. They need people that are saying, hey, you don't have to live in confusion. You don't have to be in bondage. This is what Jesus did for me in my life. And you witness to them and witness to them. And you just remain faithful. And if they block out your voice, the best thing that you can do is stay on fire for God. But again, I want to ask you, these are massive issues in our day. Why isn't the church talking about it? Why is it that every four years when it's election season, we go through the same stuff where everybody turns a blind eye to the same things? Because the spirit of the age gets really, really, really stirred up because we want our candidate in there. And the lukewarm church says, well, we'll, we'll just be quiet. Well, the, that's political. Can I tell you that abortion's not a political issue? Because life is precious to God, because He hates the shedding of innocent blood, and if I'm in His kingdom, then I'm going to testify to the truth and bear witness that the King has said these things. And the King is coming back, by the way. And the King is going to set things right and in order, and He is going to punish real evildoers. You want to be right with Him on that day. You want to know Him and Him know you on that day. You don't want to be seduced by the spirit of the age that would take your voice away. See, the spirit of the age just wants... You, you start feeling this conviction. You start reading in the Word. You start getting equipped with truth. And if you, if you are privileged enough... And you have enough light and clarity to see it. If you break that barrier and you can see it, the next thing the spirit of the age is going to do is say, shh. Okay, all right, we get it. Just calm down. Just relax. Take it easy. Just, just, just don't, don't make it awkward. Don't, don't, if, if you say that and you bring that up, it's going to get awkward. Well, you know what? Hell's way worse than awkward. My kingdom's not of this world, Jesus said. Let's keep plowing in the scriptures. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 2. God, please raise up churches in America that will equip the saints to expose the works of the devil instead of celebrate them or tolerate them. 
1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, just a few verses here. Paul writes and says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. Now I think this is fascinating. Because anytime the Word of God tells me what I've not been given, I'm paying attention. Because it's making a, a clarifying contrast. So Paul is saying, under the inspiration of the Spirit, you've not been given the Spirit of the world. You've been given the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God wants to show you the things that have been freely given to you by God. So the Holy Spirit has a role. He has a part to play. And what He does is the Holy Spirit shows you, hey, this is what Jesus paid for. This is who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you all the benefits and all the blessings when you're really following Jesus. The Holy Spirit can fill your heart with joy in the midst of tragedy and trial and sadness. How is that possible? Because your eyes are not on this life. Your eyes are on the life that is to come. Have you ever been to a funeral where there was real joy and celebration? Where there was worship and the Spirit of God was moving? Why? Because people knew for sure that the loved one that had died had gone to be with Jesus and it was us who missed them, but they didn't miss us. Because we don't grieve as the world grieves. They don't have any hope, but we have hope. And our hope is Jesus. He's our living hope. But we've not received the spirit of the world. You need to grab a hold of this for yourself this morning, brothers and sisters. God did not give you the spirit of the world. You don't have the spirit of the age. God instead, in place of, called you out of the spirit of the age. He delivered you from it and He put His spirit inside of you. I love it when you begin walking with people that they just start following Jesus and they're like, man, I'm like starting to do stuff I didn't do before. Like, what, what do you mean? Like I was sitting at dinner with my friends and everyone was ordering drinks and I knew we were going to sit there and get drunk and I, I ordered a water. And my friends were like, water? And then not only that, I told them all about Jesus and the work that He's doing in my life. And I talked about Jesus as if He's a real person. And they asked me if I had been to the psych ward. And I said, I've been to heaven's ward. And my heart has seen Him. And the truth is setting me free. And I want my friends to know Jesus. I want to begin to bear witness to the truth. It's amazing what happens. Why? What are they testifying to? The Spirit that used to talk through me is dead. And the Holy Spirit is now beginning to speak through me. He's testifying through me. He's bearing witness to Jesus. The Spirit of God. Listen, people get all mixed up and turned around. Well, how do I know when to speak up? Always. Jesus will always anoint you to preach and teach and speak up and share His Word. He's going to be there. He said you don't know what you're going to say in that moment. They're going to bring you before rulers and authorities. But the Spirit of your Father will give you the words in that moment. So you trust Him with the results. You just be faithful to open your mouth and speak. If you miss all these words this morning, hear these two. Speak up. Speak up. The spirit of the age wants to silence you and shut you down. The spirit of the age actually wants to make you feel bad that you believe these things. It's powerful. The world is under its dominion of darkness. Keep reading. You've not received the spirit of the world. Verse 13. The things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but we speak those words taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Would you say these words with me? Spiritual vocabulary. 
So God wants to give you a new vocabulary. Was it just me that got a bar of soap as a child? When you said, praise the Lord. No, I'm not a victim of parenting. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, don't get me started on the spirit of the age and parenting. If you discipline your kids, you're hurting them, you hate them. No, I think that Barry Nichols got it right that if I don't discipline my kids, that's child abuse. Because I send them out of my house and they think the world revolves around them and they realize it doesn't revolve around you. It actually revolves around Jesus. You've not received the spirit of the age. You've received the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And you're going to get a new vocabulary. Wisdom by the Spirit combining spiritual words and spiritual thoughts. So God wants to give you a whole new set of understanding. He wants to teach you by His Spirit. He wants to fill your mouth with words that are pleasing to Him. James tells us that blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. Listen, it is the easiest thing that you can do in your transformation journey is clean up your language and glorify God with your speech. It actually says that if you can't watch your mouth, you might not even really know God. Read James. It's the basics where we just start with the self-control over our speech. Proverbs says where words increase, transgressions increase. So I'm telling you to speak up, but you make sure you speak up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And you allow God and His Word and His witness to come through your life. I'm not just saying fill the air with chatter. I'm saying witness to the truth. Tell people the truth always. Love will always show you how. It will never tell you not to. The spirit of the age's definition of love is don't tell people the truth. Keep the truth to yourself. That's not loving people. Y'all still here? One more verse, verse 14. We're going to get some clarity here. But a natural man does not, say does not, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. Because they are spiritually appraised, or the word there means examined and understood. I love the church of Jesus deeply. We have dedicated our lives to serving her and building up the body of Christ. I love God and I love the church deeply. And it grieves me to tears to no end that so many places are trying so hard to make spiritual things carnal. To take natural people and rather than challenging them to repent and confess their sin and call on Jesus for salvation, the church says, well, we need to cater to natural minded people. This one verse of scripture is exactly how the church has become the state that she's in. This is why we look the way that we do. I'm talking Big C Church. This is why we've watered down the truth. We have taken all the manifestations of the Spirit and we either don't believe in them or we put them in a back room somewhere. You know what might be a great witness to the power of the gospel? Somebody getting delivered from demons right up front for people to see, wow, there was a Spirit that came out of that person. And the Holy Spirit began to take up residence and there was transformation, evidence, and fruit that they began to follow the Lord and not themselves after that moment. But instead, we say, well, people aren't going to understand that. And rather than teach and rather than train and rather than example, what we did is we poured all the water out of the pool and we turned the church into a kiddie pool. 
And it's like just a few inches deep and we just dance around and, you know, a few things and then we go home and really we're not equipping and training people to develop a hunger and a desire and a lifestyle that pleases God. We're just trying to have a pep rally that makes you feel less miserable every week. The truth by nature is exclusive. When you speak truth... Two plus two is? That's an exclusive statement because you saying it's four, I just excluded three, two, eight, and 8,088. But when you're under the spirit of the age, truth is relative. Truth is whatever you need it to be in the moment. And here's the word of God telling us, Natural man cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit. So you know what we do when you reach those roadblocks? We pray and we intercede. And we get on our face before God and we say, Oh Lord, if you revealed yourself to me, surely you can reveal yourself to them. Father, I pray for my lost family, my lost loved ones. I'm interceding, I'm standing in the gap and I'm believing for their salvation, for their healing, for their deliverance. And I'm going to be a faithful witness to them. And then guess what? My lifestyle is going to line up with my testimony to them. Because what really turns people off in a way is when you're actually a hypocrite and you're telling them to repent of their sins and you live in sin. You all here? Okay, one more place. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to keep plowing in the Word of God. I told you. I preached part of this in Northern Ireland. And I believe it's part of what produced the breakthrough that we saw. Because the Word of God is alive and active. Amen. When you preach and teach and you speak the Word of God, the atmosphere shifts. Don't believe anything else. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly, please say formerly, you formerly walked According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So there is a spirit, the spirit of the age, the spirit of disobedience that is at work in the people of this world. But the distinction is here for us again. You don't have that spirit anymore. You're not of the spirit of the world anymore. Amen? Amen. You have the spirit of God in you. So if the spirit of God is at work in your life, you have some things that are formerly. The word here, formerly, it's 11 times in the New Testament. Five of them are right here in chapter 2. Formerly, 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 formerly. As in, I used to do this. I don't do that anymore. I used to like this. I don't like that anymore. I used to watch this. I don't watch that anymore. I used to listen to this. I don't listen to that anymore. Because God is at work in my life and He's leading me to repent of my sin and He's showing me how to live a life that pleases Him. On my worst day, on my most discouraged day, on a day when Paul is down in the dumps, there are a whole host of things that I don't do and I don't question because they're not options anymore because I've been set free from all that trash. So it's not like, oh, well, maybe. No, the minute you hear the whisper of maybe, you say, go back to hell where you came from. Because... I formerly, but now, but now, but now, because Christ has revealed Himself to me. Keep reading. Among them, verse 3, we too all formerly, say it for yourself, formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So quite literally, when I was in the world, I did whatever I wanted. I did whatever pleased me. Is that correct? 
Is that true of your testimony? If it's not, you're just lying to yourself or you're self-righteous. I did whatever I wanted to do. I filled up my flesh with the lust that I was desiring. But this is a picture of my former way of life. But here's the church, lukewarm, seducted. Is that a word? Seduced, abducted. How about that one? Abducted and seducted by the spirit of the age. Somebody make me another t-shirt. I can hear it in the presses. And the lukewarm church says, well, they're, they're just, you know, they're just kind of figuring some things out. They, we, we, we know they went back to this or that. We, we're just, you know, we're just you're like, hey, hey, they've been walking with Jesus for 15 years. They didn't just start. We're not talking about babies. We're talking about people that heard the message of the gospel and that there's an expectation that you would grow up and leave your old life behind. And here's the deal. If you need help with the formerlies in your life, you have to go get accountability for yourself. But we do this thing with our formerlies where we're like, well, well, nobody, nobody's here for me. No, you go and you say, oh God, I need help and I need your help. Are you free from this? Can you show me and walk in freedom with me? Can you pray with me? Listen, accountability is the engine of transformation. If your concept of transformation does not include accountability, you don't have an engine in the car and you're not going anywhere in Christ. And we have to upgrade the conversation on accountability to go beyond sexual temptation. Please say amen. We need accountability for every area of our lives that are not in alignment with Jesus. When I first got saved and I first started following the Lord, I remember that God brought conviction to my life about my speech and my language. So the Lord said, I want you to write down the word that you said every time you say it. So imagine trying to follow Jesus and having a piece of paper that has 60 words on it and half of them start with the letter you're thinking of. Lots of four-letter words. But it was every time I wrote, God would bring conviction to me. Paul, I've purchased you. I've given you a new language. This is just transformation 101. You know what I did? I asked somebody to keep me accountable. And they said, you know what? We're going to get free together. And we kept each other accountable. And they would rebuke me for my speech and say, clean up your life. And, your, and you know what happened? As I cleaned up my mouth, God cleaned up my heart. Because out of your mouth reveals what's in your heart. If we just immediately go to hating people and being full of venom, man, you've got some stuff inside of you that needs to get healed. We've got to be walking in love and walking in grace and walking in forgiveness. Why? You get caught up in bitterness if you don't. So you were formerly living in the lusts of your flesh and of your mind. Catch this. You were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So much for people are good. The spirit of the age says people are good. People are mostly good. No, people are deeply sinful. The spirit of the age says, listen to your heart. Pay attention to what your heart is saying. I'm like, no, I need deliverance from my heart. My heart is, it's dark and it's sinful and it's broken. It's deceitfully wicked. But God's given me a new heart and a new mind. I'm listening to that spirit and that heart. But I was formerly these things. But God, verse 4, here's the beauty. But God. What do we do? We're, we're na by nature children of wrath. We're indulging in the lusts of the flesh and of the mind. We're under the course of this world. The prince of the power of the air is dominating us. We can't help but to sin and love to sin. But God. But God. But God being rich in mercy. You want to know what God is wealthy in? Mercy. 
Showing people mercy. It delights his heart. It should move our heart to be merciful to people. If you've got people that you delight in their demise and you hope that they go to hell, your heart is unredemptive. The heart full of redemption says, no, I wish that all would come to know him and walk with him. See, I fear that the spirit of the age, it causes Christians to hate. Well, we hate people that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't, whatever it is. And it's like, we're supposed to be under the love and the mercy of God. We're not tolerating sin, but we're loving other people well. Where they know us as warm. They know us as inviting. They know us as encouraging. They don't know us as cold and distant and abrasive and harsh and abusive because that's not the Spirit of God either. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things. So when the Spirit of God is at work in your life, you become more loving. You become more patient. You become more kind. I'm not rallying you up this morning and trying to get you all riled up to like, yeah, we're going to go just confront everybody and just uh, we're going to stand on the corner with our flags and our signs. And t- Y'all, that doesn't work. Shaming people doesn't work. Inviting people with a heart of love and acceptance and patience and truth Holding these things together, what does it look like to love people in darkness with truth? The Holy Spirit will lead you and show you. But I promise you this, when the moment comes, when it's going to get awkward, and we're going to start mentioning repentance and hell and sin, because if you can't say those words to people, you're afraid of man. When that moment comes, you make sure you have it with grace, but you make sure you have it. Because if you don't, it's not the gospel of Jesus you're preaching. It's not the gospel of transformation that you're inviting people into. It's some form of self-help, tolerance, looking the other way. None of that sets you free. Are you grateful for being convicted of your sin? I know I am. I'm so grateful that God taught me that what I used to do was actually just like eating my own vomit and returning to it again. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, what did He do? Verse 4. We were dead in our transgressions. Verse 5. And He made us alive together with Christ. For by grace... You have been saved. And He raised us up with Him. And He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In order that in the ages to come, this is so cool. That in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So God is rich in mercy, now He's rich in grace. He sounds pretty wealthy, doesn't He? And He has a plan for the ages to come. Did you catch that? (laughs) So God's going to lavish us with grace, with mercy. Listen, and in the age to come, His grace and His splendor is going to be continuously revealed. But that's if you get to see Him. Every single person that is born of flesh has an eternal soul. The part of you that loves, that longs, that hopes, that dreams, that part of you, that your soul is eternal. And everyone's soul has a destination. The question is where? And those who go to heaven and in the new kingdom are those that work the works of the King. I don't understand why there's so much confusion about faith and works, but I'll try to make it simple. Your works don't save you. We just read it. You're saved by grace through faith. Amen? Amen. So my works are evidence of my salvation. But if I don't have any works, I'm not really saved. Hello? 
My works aren't saving me. My works are demonstrating that I am saved. That something has actually happened. Real transformation has taken place in my life. But you know what the spirit of the age makes room for? Transformation-less Christianity. There is no such thing. Imagine if I told you I'm going away to college and I came back six years later and I spent all that time and you said, okay, now what happened to you? And I said, well, well nothing. This is what we do with people. Yeah, I've been in the school of Christ for six years. Well, what's different? What did you learn? What? Nothing. I'm just still the same, same old me. You know what the spirit of the age will tell you? That's just who I am. You get people that they're saying, I'm off the transformation train. I'm not changing. God's done a little bit of work in my life, maybe. I'm not repenting of that. I'm not getting rid of that. I'm not going to be talked to about that issue because I'm saved. When you give your life to the king and you give him everything, we are constantly in progress. Constantly moving from image to image. What image? My former image into the image of Jesus. Moving from faith to faith. From glory to glory. There's real work that's happening in my life because I'm not under the spirit of the age. I've got the spirit of God. And God has shown me mercy. And he's lavished his grace on my life. And he seated me with Christ Jesus in the heavenlies. And my life is actually hidden with Christ in God. I hope you said amen. That's Colossians. Let me give you seven signs that you're under the influence of the spirit of the age. Now there are probably 7,000 but I just chose seven that are the clearest to me. Seven signs you're under the spirit of the age. Number one, you have no hunger for God. The spirit of the age hates God and hates the spirit of God and hates the things of God. Spiritual hunger is normal. Longing for God and groaning in prayer and praying in the Holy Spirit is normal. Extravagant worship is normal. Standing there unmoved and unstirred is not normal. Because you're of another kingdom. You're of another world. You've really seen the King. If you are not hungry, you are not healthy. When you get sick in your body, in the natural, and you lose your appetite, it's a symptom that you are sick. We have Christians who have no real hunger for God. No real longing for Jesus. You know how my hunger for God manifests primarily in my life? By reading and meditating on the Word of God. By praying and pressing in. Listen, five minutes of prayer that is actually connected with God in a real way and an authentic way will benefit you so much more than five hours of just repetition and mindless repeating. Just connect with God. If you want accountability for this, just go to somebody and say, Hey, would you ask me every single day, i.e. maybe your spouse, did you connect with God in a meaningful way today? It just changes that the expectation is that I'm going to live and I'm going to connect with my Father. I'm going to be loved and I'm going to be nurtured by Him. I'm going to grow in Him. I'm going to repent of some things. I'm going to come out of some things. I'm going to get real joy and peace in my life. Confusion's going to leave because I'm encountering God in a tangible way every single day. Why? This is His promise to us. Did Jesus say, I will never leave you or forsake you? He said, I will be with you. And if Jesus promises to be with us, then the evidence that He's with us is transformation. is real change. It's encounter with Him. So you have no hunger for God. The Spirit of the age is upon you. Number two, you think sin is not a big deal. This is a huge, very clear, flashing sign that people have been influenced by the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age will tell you that your sin is not as bad as other people's sin. The spirit of the age will say, well, this church just expects too much of you and they actually don't love you. The spirit of the age will try 
to water down and minimize sin. And sin grieves the heart of God. When we are conscious and aware that we have sinned and we have grieved God, you know what we do? We thank Him for His mercy and we repent and we make it right immediately. Because that's the grace of God extended to us. That we have, repentance is a gift from God. Hey, start over. Do it over. Tell me you're sorry and then make it right. That's repentance. Well, we went crazy. You think sin isn't a big deal. Do you believe that sin is a big deal? Sin is a big deal individually. Sin is a big deal corporately. When we make sin... A minimal and small thing, we are set up for destruction. We are headed on a highway to hell. Number three, you're under the spirit of the age if you think that truth is relative. Truth is not relative. Truth is absolute. The nature of God is not relative. God isn't trying to be loving. He is love. God doesn't have the potential to be good he is good he is actuality in essence he is reality in action truth is not relative the spirit of the age listen y'all they're going to move the goalposts on us and just get ready because what's wrong today will be right tomorrow what they're saying is still off limits. I always got pedophilia in my mind because if you don't think they're coming for your children, you're deceived. What's wrong right now, it'll be right in a few years. Give it another generation or we seem to be on the fast track. Just give it 10 years. Did you know that just like 15 years ago that underneath their manual, the world's understanding of psychology... That gender dysphoria was a diagnosable dysfunction and disease. It was a sickness. Now it's called transgenderism. That is enough evidence for you to see that what used to be a mental illness is now celebrated. And we're leading people off of a bridge... And we're telling people, it's okay, you are your feelings. And here's the church like, well, we better not hurt anybody. No, people are being hurt more by our silence than anything. Number four, you care about keeping up with society. You think about the latest trends. You think about what's popular. You, you, you want to stay in the know and up to date with the world. Who cares? Number five. You believe your lifestyle choices don't really matter. As in media, entertainment, what, what you digest, what you look at, what you listen to. If you don't get a conviction about the movies you watch about what you allow into your home, about what you put around your children. Uh, we had a lot of sorrow when we did youth ministry, what was that, 10 years ago? Lord Jesus, we're getting old. <laughs> we had a lot of sorrow because we would have parents, they would bring us their senior in high school who was already so full of the spirit of the age, who already had so much lies and deception in them, they would bring them to us like, like please save them. And, it's, and you're like going, the word of God actually says, discipline your children before it's too late. Show them, teach them the truth. Educate them, school them. We should be raising our children in what is right and what is wrong. God is right. The world is wrong. This is like 2 plus 2 equals 4 when you believe the scriptures. But you believe your lifestyle and your choices don't really matter. Why? Because you think sin isn't a big deal. Oh, what, what's the problem? Every single movie, Taylor will tell you this is true, that we have watched in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years. There's a thing called IMDB. You can look up a parent's guide for every movie that you are thinking about watching and find out the contents that are in that movie. And if it's nudity, if it's sexual immorality, if it's any... No, the answer is no. 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 
Not, not only am I married, but I'm married to Jesus. I'm devoted to Him. My eyes don't need to be looking at the nakedness of someone else just because Hollywood says it's entertaining. It matters because it puts the fire of God out in your life. It fills you with shame and condemnation and then you have to work through all the junk of not feeling worthy and feeling like a hypocrite when you raise your hands and worship when really you were made to just behold God and love Him with clean hands and a pure heart. Number six, you hate the process and you want success immediately. This is highly evident of the spirit of the age. God is a God of process. This is normally the one that hurts the most. God is a God of process. The spirit of the age says, it's my money and I need it now. I want it all right now. We have raised a generation of kids that are 14 that get their first job and by the third day they can already manage the company better than their manager. No, you need to just show up on time, bud, and work hard. But we've eliminated the process, and we actually learned to hate the process, but God is a God of process. God is watching what you do while the process of whatever you're pursuing unfolds. He is looking at the, the culture and the condition of your heart. But when you're under the spirit of the age, you're angry, you're upset that I'm not getting it all right now. The greatest things that you and I can live for take a lot of time to develop. If you want a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship, you develop it over time. It is a process and this is how God works. By the way, if you encounter people that want you to move quickly and immediately and you're not ready, you're under manipulation and control. We inherit the promises of God through faith and patience. Just be patient. Wait on the Lord. Trust in God. He's up to something good. Number seven. You feel confused and directionless in your life. Why? Because the spirit of the age is built on confusion. How could you not be confused if what's true is always changing? Did we sing this morning as a fellowship, Now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. Where are you going to find your purpose and your destiny outside of the gospel? Nowhere. We find the truth, the meaning, the reason, everything for living. We find it all in following Christ. He brings everything into alignment and we realize, Aha, you're the one I've been looking for. Y'all, who talks like Jesus? I've read Muhammad. I've read Gandhi. I, nobody. You can't get that kind of wisdom. You can't discern that kind of truth apart from the person of Christ. Read His words and build your life upon His words. If you don't build your life on His words, Jesus says you're building on sand. And the storms of life will come and expose a faulty foundation. And it says great is its fall. If you don't want to experience destruction in your life, build on the words of Jesus. You won't be isolated from pain and hardship and trial, but you'll go through a process that actually strengthens your foundation and makes you more solid instead of more flaky and more unaccountable. Will you stand to your feet? I was praying this morning and asking the Lord, Father, you want me to bring people forward this morning if you allow me to preach this message? And I felt like I heard the Lord say no. There are some things that need to change in our lives in order to break up with the spirit of the age. And you're not really going to do that down in an altar this morning. You're going to do that when you go home. You're going to do that on the drive home. 
You're going to do that on deleting certain apps. You're going to do that on getting accountability for this, that, or the other. The Holy Spirit is already convicting us and showing us that we've been given a new heart and a new mind. So I want to pray, but I will ask this. Would you pray with me just for a few moments? And just pray and let's intercede and let's ask the Lord that He would deliver us all from the spirit of the age. That He would drive it far from our families, far from our marriages, far from our children, far from this place. Because so long as our Father's house is a living and breathing organism, she is to withstand the spirit of the age and to exalt the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Let's pray together. Just begin to lift your voice. And just begin to break the silence. You can pray in the Spirit or pray in English. But we're going to get activated this morning just for a few moments. Because the Spirit of the age wants you to shut up. I dare you to open your mouth in this moment. Open your mouth and tell the Spirit of the age to go. And to leave your life. And make decisions that would honor Jesus. Father, I pray for a breakup this morning. That we would break up with the devil. That we would break up with the God of this world who blinds the minds of the unbelieving. Father, I pray that the Spirit of truth would prevail in Jesus' name. God, we thank You for Your Word that is true. We thank You, Lord, that marriage is between one man and one woman for a lifetime. I thank You, Lord, that children are a blessing and not a burden. Lord, we thank You that the church is the pillar and the support of the truth. And we thank you Lord that we're called to stand in your army and proclaim your truth today and every day forward we refuse to submit ourselves to the spirit of the age we refuse to quiet down and shut up and back down and avoid confrontation we thank you Lord that your love is setting us free from the fear of man and that you've given us a new spirit and a new heart today Lord, deliver us from living under the influence of this world. Let us be a people that are holy, that are blameless, and that are set apart for your kingdom and your glory. God, would you use this house in a mighty way. Lord, may we stand in the face of darkness and proclaim the light of the truth of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts right now. Lord, deliver us. Set us free, O God. I just have this sense in my spirit that for some of us, reading and meditating on Galatians chapter 1 is going to be like what really causes things to click and to sink in, especially if you're under the conviction of the Spirit today. I believe that Galatians chapter 1 is going to further set you free. Lord, thank you for this morning. We love you. We honor you. Jesus, we thank you that you're the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is no other. You are God and God alone. Break the power of darkness. Let us live in the light of the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.